Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. This episode of the Nightbird Radio Podcast was brought to you by May Kinglove. She sent me some really cool stuff, some dream teas that she blended herself, some energetic cleansing soap that she made, and even some incense that she made. So uh, always welcome that kind of stuff, too. I love it, and I appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show and hear your name or a cryptic message in lieu of your name read at the top of the next episode, head to nightbirdpodcast.com and navigate to the Support the Show page. Thank you so much for your generous support. It's what keeps the Archons out of this show. And remember to subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts and give me a five-star rating. That helps a lot. I'm also on Instagram at Nightbird Podcast, on YouTube at Nightbird Podcast, and on Telegram at t.me slash Nightbird Radio. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. This week, I was joined by William Ferris. Will is a graffiti artist, imaginal practitioner, and a searcher. This episode felt very much like a continuation of the topics discussed in my last episode. This is almost like a chance for city magic to state its own case. We talked about the beautiful construction of the word fuck, graffiti as an open magical system, the jail experience, and so much more. But without further introduction, let's get to the conversation. Oh, but one thing I did want to make you aware of real quick is that I had some audio difficulties on this episode. There were times where his audio sort of dropped out and it makes him difficult to understand at those times. It kind of goes in and out. Um, I tried to do my best to fix it, but I'm not really sure I made a difference. Uh, So I just wanted to let you know ahead of time. William Ferris, welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to hear it. So, um, yeah, so you had reached out to me and, uh, one of the things that you mentioned that I was really interested to talk about, and we've been kind of dancing around our schedules, um, was graffiti as like a full fledged magical practice. Tell yeah. Me about that. So this kind of came to me over Christmas, um, and for the purposes of this discussion, because there are very many kinds of and ways of practicing it and types and styles and all this, I'm specifically talking about painting transit systems. So subways. Oh, cool. Mostly anything that's public transit. It's technically owned by everyone. So that's part of the like open system nature of the thing. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little more. I got you. Open source. Yeah, well, and uh, the the entire practice is it, it is an, in, in the magical system way of saying it's an open system. Anyone is welcome to participate in it. Um, it's very difficult, so and risky. Maybe you don't want to. But <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, anything that like yeah. <laughs> carries the risk of like being arrested is um, 
you know, obviously there's that disclaimer, but like at the same time, it does give it a little bit of a, um, like, okay, so it's a closed or so it's an open system, but I imagine that there are initiations. <laughs> right. But well, the, I, that's in a, in an organic sense. It's sort of self-initiated because even if you do it with other people or someone tells you how to do it, you're assuming the risk of danger right. to your life. You know, there's live third rails. There's moving 2000 ton metal boxes that could kill you. You know, you might be up high on a roof or a billboard or, you know, there is a lot of danger and no one else can assume that risk. for you. So that right. part is inherently self-initiatory, you know, like, yeah, you're kind of you're taking on your own sovereignty. Um Right. So how long have you been doing this? That's one of those questions that the more you interrogate it, the harder it is to find a real answer to. Like I painted my first train in 2011. So what's that 12 years? But you know, in sixth grade I used to draw little like goofy smiley faces in the bathroom in school and right right uh, I learned my first barbarous word when I was five and I wrote fuck on my neighbor's stair every stair on their stairs and then every piece of concrete from their house to my I didn't know what it meant I didn't know even how to say it I Dude, somehow figured out how to spell it <laughs> it doesn't matter what it means that's interesting not knowing how to say it because to me it's the sound of the thing so as like uh kind of an armchair linguist it comes it comes from the front of the th the mouth fuck and then ends in this like glottal so you have a fricative and then a smooth motion and then a hard stop and so it does have this like inherently um there's just a dance in the sound of it itself it's I like swinging it. a hammer or something yes there's exactly that. and then the hard part of that that is a perfect <laughs> way to put it yeah yeah so anyway, oh, that's how you use it in conversation, right? Yeah. Fuck that. That's a, it's a way to put a nail in something. <laughs> yeah. The emphasis. Well, and uh, this kind of the, in the way that we say fuck as in having sex with someone, and it has that feeling too. Of the right. fucking is the, the slap. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Totally. A hundred percent. Like it. Yeah. There's a. There's a. You almost don't have to know what it means to know, like, you know, like when you first heard it, like the the idea that you knew it was a good word to draw on something, it came from somewhere else besides your knowing or your logic of what it meant. Like you didn't have a Webster's, right? You just knew like, oh, that one, like, I don't hear that a lot. And it has this sound, right? <laughs> well, and, and the, in the way that religion has this thing of you have to be initiated and as a child you are being initiated into language and culture and all these things people were very like quiet about you know like cursing those things that are like there may be more on the fringes of acceptability like a curse against someone malefica yeah and fuck you don't go around telling everyone oh i put curses on people all the time i'm out here you know wishing ill on people that's something you keep to yourself or you maybe tell someone quietly yeah. and as a kid that's how people would curse around they would never curse to my face my parents were pretty polite people so it's i must have heard it or seen it somewhere that i wasn't supposed to it's gonna slip that, through like, yeah trespassing thing. that's yes. that is that's why that story is sort of an origin for graffiti too i'm glad that you mentioned that 
because I think that like every magic and uh, initiation obviously is this, but like it all kind of has at its heart some kind of transgression. Like, um, like it's like the piercing of the veil, right? Like, or the the bridging of two worlds. It's this crossroads. Um, that is this transgression. Like, um, yeah, like any good heresy, right? Angels belong in heaven, right? When they're yeah. here with us, they're not yeah. supposed to fall. Yeah, 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 totally. And I mean, this this actually goes back to what I was saying. So over Christmas, I was painting graffiti, and it was in Chicago. It's negative twenty three degrees or something, freezing cold and windy too, right? It's just horrible. <laughs> But it sounds horrible. We had to hop a fence to get it. And so, you know, train yards are like, especially after 9 11, they became these very high security, you know, like at this, the origin of this thing happening in the 70s, you could just walk into these places. As long as no one saw you, there was no cameras, there was no guards or dogs, fences, nothing. Now it's, uh, so I, I had to climb a very tall fence with a bunch of barbed wire on top. And it cut Word. me. I and then on the way out, it cut me again. And I mm. realized I'm I'm transiting this boundary and I'm making an offering of blood yeah. to get in and get out. And that just like it started all these thoughts going where it, it because that is a circle of protection that you're then entering into to perform this act, which is a production of a beautiful work of art. And then yeah. you have to, you know. Get out of there. <laughs> I was going to say, too, there's almost like, oh, man, this is getting my, this is firing my imagination, too, because um, when I think about this, I think of like, okay, so you have the land, and it's like, did anyone ask that land before they put barbed wire fences around it and stuff? Like, basically, the <laughs> land is in fucking jail, and you broke into the jail to put art into the land, so it's really like giving something back to these land spirits that are being held um most likely under duress right yeah well and it's it is a project of the public for the public's good so there's a spirit of community there too and there is i mean the people that made the trains the people that work on the train like that storyline is so american and and entwined in what has become the story of this place so not those older land spirits are there, but now there's these new, especially Chicago, there's all these immigrants, there's all this, the culture is a creation of, you know, of colonialism, of conquering, of, of info. I mean, it's the most segregated city in the country. Like, not just black and white, but the Polish people don't hang out with the Czech people, <laughs> you know, the Hungarians. Like, and along class lines, Koreans I'd imagine, too, right? Opposite sides of town. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's very that's very fertile ground, I would imagine. Well, and the part of the open system is that anyone can do this. So it's the, one of the few art practices that is primarily practiced and originated from, and most of the best work was done by children, like for legal purposes, children, people under the age of eighteen. 
and right. there is no group that has claim to it on any level like you could be puerto rican you could be a millionaire you know you could have one that one of the most famous graffiti writers of the 70s had one arm and one leg and like people loved it because his graffiti was good it was it was acceptable and and no one ever thought oh that guy's disabled you know they're like he's better than us yeah <laughs> they saw right past it because right. of this it, it gives you access to a certain weird what feels like a fundamental human thing like accepting people for who they are and participating and you know like if you were sitting around singing songs i think it would be a similar feeling that we're all here to do this some yeah. of us are better singers than others and certainly those people get more time singing but no right. one is going to be like oh don't come sing a song with us. You know? right right and there's a merit to it like yeah, to just the doing of it. So you said you painted your first train in 2011? Yeah. Do you want to tell that story? No. Well, I mean, it's something I have been thinking about for a very, very long time. And I had friends. So my older brother was probably the one that got me into it the most directly. But... This is the problem with the origin stories. I keep, it keeps progressing <laughs> further and further into. Yeah, it. I find that with um like, with magic too. I you know I'll be like, well, I just really started this three years ago. Then I'm like, well, really, actually, I was in a weird Bible study where we like automatic wrote and probably were talking to angels. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but so uh, I read 1984 in probably like fifth grade, somewhere in there. My mom had an old shitty paperback copy. I don't know why she was okay with me reading that book. I wasn't allowed to see PG-13 movies. I couldn't play violent video games. <laughs> Go ahead. Read this mind-boggling and horrific story of a torrid love affair. Whatever. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and Google was new, like fairly new, right? And so we had computers at school, and I just typed obey into Google. Like I was typing all the like slogans from the book war is peace and all that stuff uh and obey giant like shepherd fairy's website was the first because he had good seo in 2004 <laughs> hell yeah and then i found there's a website called art crime and so uh, it was something that i found on my own on the internet which i'm probably the first generation of people that didn't i mean obviously i saw graffiti around my neighborhood and, and you, know, you live in a city. It's a part of of city life. Yeah. But that evolved into them. But by the time I got to high school, I knew it was something I wanted to do. I had sort of started to do it on my own, and then I started to meet people. And it was the people that I met that got me into doing the, the graffiti on trains, which is, I mean, these are people I'm still friends with. Most of them, and we have a, a crew, like you know. A, a, a click, a clan. There's a bunch of us that have all been doing this a long time that share similar values. And to go back to what you were saying about the land spirits, we actually call them the train gods. Nice. Like the train gods blessed us today, or like, oh, that you know. Yeah, totally. It's not explicitly like we are making an offering. But how else would you describe? You know, it's one of those things that we're. It doesn't have to, right? Yeah, it doesn't have to be explicit because the action is literally just that. Like, 
Well, and our we were so passionate for it that yeah, the, that level of analyzing is sort of removed from the doing part. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think it's a normal human activity, um, to make offerings, and that comes in a lot of forms. But you know, we don't always say like, "I am now making an offering." It's just like it's implicit. Right. <laughs> well, and so I found you through Gordon White and Earth Soup, right? And that's something that he talks about. Pachamama will accept any offering. Like if you don't give it good things, it will accept suffering instead. And so I think a lot of people, like if you don't make it explicit, you run the risk of your offerings being the sorrows of your life. I mean, or mm. because you're not in right relation, you're suffering. Yeah, and that yeah, is, yeah. Which it has been hard to square that. And so started. 2011 you know i think by the time i painted that train i had already been arrested two or three times as a young teenager and beat up by the cops and robbed you know (laughs) it invited so much hardship into my life and i didn't ever think oh i want to stop doing this like i would obviously tell my parents like oh i'm not going to get arrested again (laughs) right it, it wasn't something that was like all light and love and great, you know, it, it kind of, it, there is a trial by fire. If you're going to quit, there's opportunities to quit. <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. 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 I imagine it's, it can be chaotic. Yeah. Well, and I was really into Robert Anton Wilson and like, Eris, like I, that was my one of my first like spiritual where I really felt like oh this is something I'm into like that's how I ended up at Rusu was googling the word chaos <laughs> yeah nice very cool but I, I feel like you know as an older person I'm coming to the end of my Saturn return I'm 29 and it, it multiple times over like rewrote my just completely, I mean, getting arrested in high school is something that, like, I have never healed from that trauma. Like, I am and will and do, but, like, the, it's there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I I know you've talked a little bit about being incarcerated, and, like, that it, it is created to break souls. Like, it is, it, it's, the modern carceral state is modeled after, like, boot camp. Like break down people's like self. Well, what scares me about that is that I think that our schools are built that way too. Right. So when when I went to jail, I was like, "Oh fuck, this is familiar." (laughs) Like these cinder block and cafeteria, (laughs) these cinder block walls and cafeteria food are exactly the same, dude. Yeah. Well, and it's Cisco. Yeah, dude. It's the same companies provide the food. Yep. We had Osco, but same difference. Um, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, just this institutional uh, milieu. I feel like high school um, is such like a the imprints that are made in that time, and, and you know, because you're kind of like you're, it's kind of building who you are, right? So like, or you're coming to find it, maybe for the first time in a way that isn't, um, or hopefully you are um that isn't dependent on you know 
um, parents, uh, what they decide for you, right? So you're kind of coming into that. And so the imprints that are made in that time, um, they really stick. It's like those footprints that exist in, in they're fossilized now, but they were made in mud, uh, you know, from right. thousands and thousands of years ago. They're still there. Uh, whereas now I feel like, I don't know, that experience was a lot easier integrated for me. But maybe I just, I don't know, maybe that was just the time for it. You know, I was always afraid of it. It was my biggest fear. High school? So, no, jail. Being, being oh, incarcerated. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, high school too, but same thing, like you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, hated, uh, I hated school too, but yeah, I don't know. I made yeah. it on a tangent, but. Nightbirds, I hope you've been enjoying the conversation so far, and there's more to come. But first, I have to ask that you support the show. As I'm sure you've noticed, there are no commercials on this show. There are no paywalls. You get everything up front. For there to be free dialogue, I think it must remain uncaged by the interests of advertisers. But Nightbird Radio does cost time and money to make, and your support means I can spend less time delivering pizza and more time doing this. That's a win-win. So that's why Nightbird Radio is a value-for-value podcast. I hope you've found value in this show, but I can't and won't dictate how much. Only you can decide that. But what I can do is invite you to take that value, turn it into a number, and head to nightbirdpodcast.com, navigate to the Support the Show page, and donate. We're also listed on podcastindex.org, which means you're able to send Bitcoin via the Lightning Network using your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, which can be found at newpodcastapps.com. I also accept services and dry goods in trade. There are many forms in which value is stored, after all. Email me at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com for more information. Sponsors will get a special mention at the top of the show. Thank you for your generous support. Want to hang out with other nightbirds and soapheads? For only $5 a month, you can gain access to the Polytechnic of the Numenauts, a private Discord server for artists, animists, and searchers that brings together the Nightbird Radio and Soapbox podcast communities. Just click the link I've provided in the show notes to get started. Now let's get back to the conversation. I only went to jail once because I was a minor. I would just go to the police station get yeah. processed and part of this is being but a that's white like person the part worst of this is part just <laughs> i don't know i had a lot of really weird experience yeah. <laughs> well so a couple times the cop that arrested me initially like i ran because as you mentioned terrified of going to jail <laughs> yeah and so they catch you, and I don't know if this is like something that they do in the academy or whatever, but the agreed upon process seemed to be if you catch someone that ran from you, you get to beat the shit out of them. Yeah. And yeah, so I got sense. beat up every time. And then, you know, it's nine hours. Like they beat me up, they put me in the cop car, maybe they drive around and try and get me to, to snitch on myself. And then eventually we end up at the police station. They don't know how to use computers or fucking fill out paperwork. So that the intake process is a drag fest. It's like sitting in a room, like anyone that, um, that isn't familiar. It is like sitting in a waiting room for a day for 24 hours or more sometimes. Yeah. 
Um, a whole ass day. Yeah. And <laughs> with no you just, with no and like, entertainment. there ain't highlights in that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. No sports. And the, they don't tell you. It's the torture of not knowing. That, that's like, yeah. because you never know when it's going to change. When you're going to get, you get moved suddenly and then you don't move for eight hours. Then you get moved again. And it's, there's no schedule. There's no, you are not clued in on how this process works. Yeah. It's so it's, put it's interesting because I remember having so much relief by the time I got um, like a cell. Your cell, like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's so, it's so back words, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's part of that. They want you to feel comfortable in your chain. You know, that yeah. it's, that's the degradation. That's the not knowing what time it is. I mean, they do that in Guantanamo Bay. They don't let them know what time they don't have lights on all the time or dark all the time. So you don't yeah. know if it's day or night. Uh, and lockdown, the lockdown um, technique, which is now being used um, at scale, you know, right. like you're being too loud, lockdown. Oh, there's a fight, lockdown. Oh, something happened in this other block, lockdown. You never, honestly, like it doesn't really matter what the what the cause of it is. The point is the lockdown. Yeah. Go to well, and, in a very Saturnian manner, like the one comfort of being institutionalized is routine. Like you, you get to do the same thing. Like it becomes the only reliable part of your life. It's like chow time or whatever. I realized, and this was a strange. Okay, this may not come across, but I'm going to try to um, explain it. (laughs) I realized that when I was in there, where I was was actually the safest place I could be. Not in like a good way. It just was like, oh, I get why people come here over and over again. Because there were people that would, dude. There was a guy that like, he would get released and immediately the next day he'd be back. Getting, I mean, recidivism is like 80%. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason for that, I think. And that reason is because like, you don't have to think about anything. You don't have to make any choices. Your day is completely set out for you. There is no decisions. There is no, like, it's it's so difficult to explain. And so when I say safe, I mean, like, in that way of... The evil way. Like, yeah. COVID safety. <laughs> right. And so I was lucky enough to, like, man, I don't know. Spirits were looking out for me, but I well, think like this a monastic experience. That... Right. So... I total another scenario situation from the stories we were just telling, but I was sitting in bed one day. I had just started attending Catholic church. Someone gave me the St. Michael pendant and they told me this crazy story about St. Michael. It kind of opened that up to me because I was raised Christian, but I'm not Catholic and I never really, I just didn't see the value in it. Yeah. Um, and it's dramatic, but I felt like a calling. I was laying in bed at like three in the morning and I sat upright in bed and was like, whoa, something is telling me this is important. And it was that that time when you like alone in a cell is when God has spoken the most to the most people. Yeah. Totally. The entire monastic tradition is people in jail. And that, that, that there is medicine for people that are currently incarcerated to hear that, hey, this is your time to talk to God. Like, yes, this is your time in the cave. 
Yeah. It's an underworld and, journey. And well, and that, that that's where God likes to speak. Like maybe it is that there is less distraction or whatever. I'm sure that's a part of it. But I, it, it's just, it just is, you know? <laughs> that's and I, where I've, this I've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, it's definitely bears repeating that I've never been somewhere that had such a, like, just a buzz of energy. I'm not saying it's that it's something that you want to, that I necessarily want to experience ever again, but it's so weird, man. Like that, like there is so much prayer in there. There is so much, um, just emotional energy. There's just, it is just, it's the air is thick. The air is thick. Yeah. And so like, (laughs) there's so much desire and fear and hope and, um, despair and um re- honestly rejoicing right because when you get out it's like that uh all kind of packed into this one small space that like when i did magic in there the results would be like immediate it was so crazy oh. like yeah i yeah i did like my i had a pub um public defender and um you know she she was really great for me she um just was busy so she couldn't talk to me all the time and i wanted to talk to her all the time like what's going on you know yeah <laughs> which um, is all of her clients right <laughs> dude, all of her clients right right and um and i did a sigil one day like you know my lawyer is going to call me today and literally like within that next hour she called yeah that's... um just stuff like that and yeah i don't know there's so much um energy in there that i think that stuff just and you just hear just about so much um people see shit in there there's there's ghosts or spirits yeah there's people i i had a well i had a cellmate he was convinced that he's seen demons in there like and you know we got kind of close because you know you're together all the time and so we would talk tell stories to each other and he would he was certain that he's seen demons and i do not doubt it but I also think that Where everyone's everyone's live? helping I mean, spirits are in there too. <laughs> but right, yeah, totally. And so, when I did end up in jail, it was Cook County Correctional, which is, I mean, they intentionally overpopulate the jail. They get paid by head, right? It's most yes. Jail system at, the, at nine o'clock. The number of people in the jail they get a dollar amount per person. Yeah, they're so. Like there was people sleeping on the floor. They would send you a $17 check if you wanted to sleep on the floor because they didn't have enough bunks for everyone. But it's also it's super old. It's been there for a couple hundred years, I think. Over 150. So it's not just the suffering that's happening right now. It's like how when the Romans sacked like pagan temples, they built churches on top of it. There, that place, you can feel it from outside. There's something there. There's a node or a weird Dude, conjunction built, of spirit and energy that Well, they're often built on places like that to begin with. And like Yeah. But get, I'm I don't want to interrupt you too much. So No, it's all right. It, it's uh, it's just it it was the compounded suffering of hundreds yeah. of years of people. It wasn't just these people and right now, it was that this place is a place of spiritual despair. I felt a lot of despair. Yeah. And I would imagine. 
It is a very despairing place. Right. I mean, but that's the thing. Everyone is feeling. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and there were people that were more chipper than others, but. <laughs> sure. There's people, some people that it's there. Dude, I knew, had a, one buddy that called it. This is my old change, man. I just come in here. I get my old change and I go back out. <laughs> like, which. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and... guy, you know, he, he knew what he was doing. He was in alignment with his shit. <laughs> I will say that. Right. And, and there are people, you know. It's sort of like a goth vibe or whatever, where they're like into bad stuff. You know, what I mean? like, yeah, I like yeah. Stuff, I like that this place sucks. Like, <laughs> well, it's they're so usually also bad people. Like, there were legitimately evil people in there with you. So that part, that's sort of the weird thing about graffiti is that like, everyone laughed. At everyone. What are you in here for? Oh, I tagged on a sign. What the fuck? How did you end up here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were selling heroin. Like their girlfriend yeah. told the cops where their gun was. Or like <laughs> right, right. Some of these people were going to go do 20 years. Uh, and I was, you know, I got bailed out. The case got resolved. It ended up not doing that big of a deal, right? Like for me. I mean, at sure. the time it was, but. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Looking like, back, I mean. Well, the time you spent in there is the time you were in there. Like, so no matter what the outcome is, it doesn't, to me, this is my take on it. It doesn't diminish that time you were there because while you're in there, you just don't have any idea. Like, and like all this kind right. of weird fear goes through your heads. Like, what if, I don't know. They I mean, tell- the, honestly, just as bad as being in there with all those people in this horrible place was being in the police station. Because I was there for two days, yeah. not knowing I was going to be there for two days. Lights on all the time. Like, I did, I was doing push ups. Like, as if that's a, like, <laughs> it's a trope, right? No, you well, it, there's a reason that it's a trope. Bored. It's because, <laughs> yeah, it keeps you sane. Right. It's, it was just a, a way to connect with something real. Like, physicality was the only thing I had. There was no time. There was no other people to talk to. There was, you know, like it really is kind of. I don't know. It's so traumatic that I don't think we should do it to anyone. Yeah, but I did get a lot out of it. (laughs) Right, it's one of those things. It's really yes. So I always have to preface it with that too. Like I never want this to happen to anyone, and I'm very much against it. But um. Well, dude, anything is what you make it. And so the lesson that I took from this was a lesson that I took into the world um, that I also thought was a prison. I thought right. the world was a prison. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, like, then when I'm coming out of jail, I'm like, oh, yeah, this really is a fucking, this place is a fucking prison. But then, yeah. kind of, as I integrated that, it became like, well, that was whatever I made of it. So, so is this. Yeah, well, and you see that there are those people that handle jail well, even not repeat customs, but like people that are in there for a long time and they made a life in there. They have friends, they have a community, they practice usually a religion of some kind, and they read books, and they, you know, kind of a normal life. Like, <laughs> but I mean, it is funny because, like, I wasn't ever super crazy Gnostic. Like, it's not something that I... There's times where I connect with an emotional level very deep. 
like sure the black iron prison like philip k dick speaks to me yeah me too but the, it's hard to square living in a corrupted world with beauty like i just can't, there's a part of me that always sees like sophia or whatever and sophia is yeah i, I think that, give that, that gnosticism too often will focus too much on the archons so like i guess yeah, really what like, i'm i'm probably more hermetic you know yeah i think that the world is benefic um well and that that is an alchemic process you were talking about earlier right it's making the most of transmuting suffering into transmuting the black iron prison into the palm tree garden it's it really is like what i like it's such a truck like uh a cliche but it really is what i make it like and i can't say that enough like i (laughs) spirits just like scream that at you too yeah and and i think that like that's that's the monastic catholic people of you know that period in the 1100s to 1600s they are having visions of paradise in a stone box well and i was going to say this too and one of the greatest tragedies of the prison system uh and you know just the i didn't go to prison but i went to jail but whatever you call it just the incarceral system um the penal system is that we have all these people having these experiences in there. Um, but we marginalize their voices and keep those experiences kind of those, (laughs) I can hear your cat. Those experiences are being kept from everyone else. So like, but it used to like, I think that they actually are the monks of our time. So like, but, but we're just not listening. Well, we're not we're listening to them to either. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, probably right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a but... lot of the, the value that's come from those periods is now. Like in 1100, no one was listening to like yeah, true Teresa or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They wrote books. That's how we have it. They, they made the effort to let us know across time. Because their yeah. voice wasn't being heard in their time. And so they said, well, how else could we get this message? To yeah, people? that's a good point. Because Julian of Norwich, they tried to suppress her, too. Um, and Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Um, they tried to suppress <laughs> Julian, Julian of Norwich as well. Um, are you familiar with her? She was an anchoress. So I am like, not. So an, She was an anchoress. So basically, like, volunteered to just spend the rest of her life in a cell. And uh, right. just really cool ecstatic experiences, um, but her stuff was considered like either, depending on who you asked, like blasphemy adjacent or straight up heresy, right? Yeah. And so, like, it was suppressed for a long time. Uh, just you know, same old story. But um, well, and Teresa Avila is the one that I'm more like. I was reading. What is it? The seven houses or the seven. There's so much in it uh, where she has to like caveat. She's having these insane experiences and she has to go, well, I'm a woman, so I would never know more than any man. And I'm not, a, you know, the priests definitely know better than me. So I'm just going to speak to women because the priests can speak to everyone. Like all of these ways of like trying to skirt around that. But still, when you read it, you're like, this is nuts. You know, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine the Catholics at the time were like, 
uh, this ain't in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But it is weird because that there, there isn't a way to get out of that stigma unless you've been through being per- literally prosecuted, you know, and and been in jail. Like you don't understand that. I mean, I think about this all the time too with cities. Like Chicago has a horrible reputation, especially in the Midwest. People think it's just violent. And the reality is it's just people. Right? Like, and that's what jail kind of teaches you too, is that like, oh, this is it's like being in a classroom where you have to get a feel for what is everyone's personality, what's the overall dynamic, what's the you know, like who do you want to be friends with is something you kind of divine. You know, in yeah. all of those situations, it just like someone laughs at your joke. Or, you know, dude, there's I some have, little clue that you have something in common. I have a really funny story about that. Actually, it's actually not funny because <laughs> you'll hear it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so originally in this block I was in, in um, I spent most of my time in, in Virginia and um, or shit. I'm probably going to edit that out. I don't necessarily want to say that. <laughs> I spent most of my time in the. Um, in a place that was pretty low key, like I was in like the nonviolent wing, you know what I mean. Um, but it was also like pretty segregated, so kind of fucked up in that way too. Um, but I, the first friends I made, it was this table that just seemed like normal, just normal guys. Like these are the guys. Why are these guys so nice? This guy gave me mayonnaise. This guy get he's he's offering me things. These are the nicest guys. These normal guys. Why are they in there? So I'm sitting there for the longest time. And then like, I start to realize what's going on that like no one sits with them. And then I made this other friend, the guy that uh, was there getting his oil changed. And I said, Hey man, can I ask you a serious question? He's like, yeah, dude, go shoot. Am I sitting with child molesters? And he said, he said, yeah, man, you are. <laughs> like oh that's why those guys are so nice yeah. oh so i had to change my seats but like i just didn't like you just have to experience it to know you know what i mean like every yeah. block is different well and so i've recently moved to a new place to a smaller town than i've ever lived in before and you go out to the bar or whatever and there's someone being really friendly to you you're like, oh, great. Like, they're very welcoming here. And then three, four, five times you're hanging out. And you realize, like, oh, other people don't like this guy. And you start to realize why. And you, yeah. Like, it just, it was the same thing where you learn, like, oh, that first impression, if they're nice, it actually tells you more about, you know, like, I, especially getting older, I'm more guarded about, like, I don't want to be nice right away. I want to see if it's like. <laughs> That's what. Are you someone of, I should be nice to? <laughs> it makes the South difficult, actually, because that's pretty common for everyone to be nice. Yeah, and but so, like, like fake nice. I mean, <laughs> right? Well, obviously, it can't be real. Oh, all I, the, I don't know. It can't be real all the time. So, like, obviously, there's a good deal of it that's fake. But it kind of has. There's a static to it where you're like, well, everyone is nice, so I can't tell who's a fucking weirdo. Right, you know what I it's mean? not <laughs> signal; it's noise. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. Well, that, I guess that's what I'm. It's, it's not fake, but it, it's this thing of like, it's just. Cultural. Are they being nice so, like, to you because 
they are nice or are they being nice to you because it is the custom to be nice right is there a quality of their character or is this a cultural sort of like yeah yeah, yeah. so is nice like, or like are they being nice because they're fucking weird right <laughs> and yeah. not like I'm, in the I'm, cool not in the cool way you know what i mean yeah they're trying to feel you out so that they can take advantage of yeah you know right like, they're someone's just offering something for nothing it's not for nothing right, right. <laughs> especially in jail but um yeah. so let's talk <laughs> a little bit about you were telling your story and i think we got cut off if I'm not mistaken, um, I mean, yeah, we we, we diverged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but so it's just very odd because I think that I am so much a product of having grown up with. I mean, the internet came into my life when I was already alive, but yeah. in those developmental years, it was very important. And this was pre-social media. You know, I got Instagram senior year of high school and so like the first train that i came, i found out how to do it because these guys from poland had come to america to paint all the trains that they just do like a tour of all the places that have subways and paint all of it. it's a very common thing for europeans to do and they made a video of it and in the video you can see kind of how they got into the yard and so I just went there and looked and I was like, okay, I think I can do this. But I must have went and looked like five, ten times before I got the nerve of it. was something that really captivated me. There was a deep, obsessive, like kind of self. I mean, I wasn't doing homework. I wasn't trying to get laid. I wasn't hanging out after school. You know, I was like going to look at trains. And, like, Hell yeah. It, it you know, there's something about that that does feel like a magical, like that element of desire being like a drawing. I think I, I can't figure out how I want to make this understandable because I get it, but it's the future draws you into it with desire. Like the things that are going to make sense for the rest of your life start before you know what they are. You just feel this thing. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's well put. I think about that with magic too. Um, and I think that's what you're saying, right? But like in the sense that um these are kind of like ripples that travel into the past from the event. Right. The, it, it was the, the future knew that this is what I was gonna do. Yeah. So it sent these little things through my whole life that led me to that. But my agency is still in somewhere. I made those choices without knowing what the consequence would be, without knowing that, like, that's what I was saying about the inviting trauma thing, is that, that I didn't know the pain this would bring. And if I did, I don't think I would have made the same choices. And so it's like a trick, future me or future, whatever the universe, whatever the fuck is, is happening there, some sort of magical you know, the tricksters magic. It's, yeah. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. Tricked into, um, tricked into becoming. Well, and that, I don't know. There's something about participating graffiti. That's like eating the food in fairyland. It looks so enticing from the outside, 
And then you do it and now you're stuck. Now it's in you. You know? <laughs> That's really interesting. That's a really cool way to put it. that's not the same for everybody i mean it is it is one of the most varied the type of people that participated how long how they do it's all different but the people which is the same with magic you know like there are definitely like wicked graffiti writers that like do wheat paste (laughs) right and then there's the more hardcore ceremonial magicians of you know we so part of the 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 ceremony thing is a big part of the parallels. Like planning, timing is very important, like insanely important because there can't be anyone there to catch you. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you fuck that up, you go to jail, right? Or worse. We like prepare all the paint, wipe all the fingerprints off of it. We pack a bag, we put on a mask, we put on gloves, we have full cut, we have tools, right? Like, ceremonial magical tools that's all prepared ahead of time and then you arrive at the right time at the right place and then you you know you go into the circle just like the circle of fences do your thing and like there's just this feeling you don't know what's gonna happen at any moment worker or a cop could show up the train could turn on and start driving it could start pouring rain and now your paint's washing off and you just wasted all this time there's times where you go in there and the paint just doesn't work and i feel like that without realizing it that was a huge parallel to magic right there are times where you do everything right and the ritual just fizzles just nothing happens no one the spirit doesn't show up or you know And I think the the people that do it are some of the least spiritual people that I've met. (laughs) It's very ego-driven. It's very corrupted by capitalism. And it's it's about fame. You know, it's people that want to be famous for, I mean, basically, I mean, they're like, stunted artists like in another world they would be celebrated as artists but they decided to do it in a way that is forever unacceptable (laughs) well that makes them marginal and kind of on the outskirts so that's as another parallel to to magic right well but it's just it is interesting because i mean there is a lot of self-aggrandizement in the magic now that i think about it that is also a parallel hell yeah there is yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i I was never really a part of it like yeah i kind of did everything by myself i never i mean besides going to church i don't have like a real magical community you know but i always just thought they were kind of (laughs) corny yeah i don't find that they do a lot of magic personally it's like like right well and (laughs) that is there's this element of cool because graffiti is an urban cultural thing because it is in the milieu of fashion and music and all these things that when things that was just a value i had especially as a teenager like shit has to be cool like you can't (laughs) we're not gonna do lame stuff and you just know what that is or but it's it's sort of like self-defining right like yeah 
I think that's important. But, I, think, uh, I think style points count. Right. Well, and that's all confusion about, right? If you did it and it's not stylish, it's not value. Like, and I think that that is, that's the same thing with praying, right? Like, it's okay to pray in your head or whatever, but like, if you're sitting on the bus and you're just doing it in your head versus at the right time, in a place that's appropriate and you're singing it and you're, you're, you know, it, it's, it's about that bringing the world to life by living in it sort of thing that like painting in a studio is so abstract from no one ever sees it essentially. I mean, unless you have an art show or something like, or you put it outside yourself, it, that's like praying to yourself at home, which is important. Like, you know, it's a spiritual practice is practice, right? Like I draw way more than I paint because I need to be good. By the time it comes to do the important thing, I want to be good at it. But there, there's something that, I don't know. They each have their place. There's something about, hmm? They each have their place. Right. And, and I think that with Instagram, like just the, the way that people approach art making in 2023 is so away from, it's just not community. It's not a shared experience. And graffiti is for everybody. Like I think about this all the time because if I go paint the highway, like, in Chicago, three million people see that the next day. I don't have three million followers on Instagram. I'm not going to yell into a room of three million people. That's the only way I get to communicate with that many people. You know, I don't, no one else yeah. has a platform like like regular people. Whatever. If you're not a public personality, if you're not like a church leader, or a, you know, there's very few people that have an audience of three million. Yeah. Do you ever and do sigils none of like them that? Are, I haven't ever trained. I mean, it is sort of a macro sigil or whatever. Like, you choose your name. Yeah. And so, like, it, it's something that, I mean, you could paint anything you want, right? Really. But there, there is this thing of, like, you want to be recognized as the person that did that thing. And because you can't really otherwise prove it, like, especially before... Like now people can just take a video. But like if I saw a train with graffiti on it and you told me you did it, could just be lying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to prove it unless you can redo it. Like if it's a tag and you can do the exact same tag, well, that's more evidence, you know? <laughs> Maybe you're just really good at copying. But for the most part, it, the style is the way to make it clearly yours. If you did it in a certain style, no one else does that style. That means it's yours. And that's the name, too, right? No one else writes the same word as you, ideally. Uh, <laughs> which, I don't know. I, I, I Like, the hypersexual thing, I kind of... I It's there, but I don't really think that it's as... I don't know. Like, that's a Grant Morrison ass way of looking at it is like graffiti is like casting spells everywhere which is sort of valid but i don't know there there's a graffiti writer in chicago that made the sticker with his name on it and it said omnipresence is my art so for me it's more about that. it's more about being able to interact with place like sigils are about speaking to your unconscious or the unconscious desires of the world or whatever this is more about being in relation with 
being able to communicate and to travel through different neighborhoods, different cultures, different times of day and night and, and being able to like pervade. Yeah. And so having a simple, recognizable symbol that you repeat constantly makes that pervasiveness easier. If you're doing different things every time, okay, I got it. It's that, just noise sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Which cool. is kind of what prayer is too, right? Like saying Saint Michael's prayer versus making your own prayer to Saint Michael up. It's easier for Saint Michael to find the same prayer in a bunch of different people than it is to find your weird version of it. Well, it accumulates. It accumulates power, I think, too, right? So, like, that makes sense with, you know, if you're drawing the same thing everywhere, then it's accumulating power as opposed to it kind of being diffused. Um, right. And I guess it, that's what it is. It doesn't start as a city, but it ends up as one because of that. It becomes empowered, like you're saying. And then, yeah. you know, it, but it's unconscious. No one. Almost no graffiti writers are saying, I'm going to do this to achieve a specific goal. Right. Like their name represents something that is important to them in some way, but it's usually pretty weird. Like, I just write my name now, but like for a while, you know, it was like a comic book that I found that I really liked the name of the comic book. That's pretty like sideways, you know, <laughs> like. Maybe I wanted to be mysterious, so I picked a mysterious word or something like that. That's you know, it's not. Yeah, it's interesting you're, though you're because it still okay. I've had pretty big sinks from graffiti, you know, like and the episode I just recorded that isn't out yet. Um, it'll probably be out by the time this is out. Um. Well, we talked about like city versus rural, like spirits, magic uh, occurrences, right? And so when I lived in downtown Atlanta, one of the ways that the world would speak to me and one of the ways that I would experience synchronicity was through graffiti. And so like sometimes you would see a word that was just like, like, okay, when I was first getting into Gnosticism. I was walking the same way I walk to work every day, but um, I've got a picture of it. I can show it to you on this <laughs> below this overpass on the concrete was written Sophia. Right. And I was like, Oh <laughs> shit. Like it really was impactful to me. Um, but that probably is just their name. That's just their something they write. Right. Yeah. So like it's, <laughs> What I'm, yeah, and that's what I'm getting at, right? It's not like that person was like, "Oh, I'm about to fucking give someone a gnostic epiphany." That's just right, right but it just like it's kind of an that's organic. Also, that's that's how uh, it works. Right. That's how those it, they aren't direct because direct, right. like it, it it doesn't work directly. It ruins it when you just come straight. It's like explaining a joke. <laughs> yes, that makes good sense. Um, and I've had that too with place, like, uh. It's happened more than five times where either the place I ended up working or a girlfriend's house or residence that I ended up spending a lot of time at. I had six months ago, two years before, tagged. Oh, just wow. walking. I, 
you don't you do it sort of systematically usually like you'll walk down one street and try and get as much as you can on that street or whatever but i never would have thought one day i will be in this building ever and then it was like every day i was staring at it how did this get here and it was me that's really man that is (laughs) it didn't make sense you know and that is sort of a situation that is that is a hundred percent because i'll have that experience with i'll have that experience with other things too that's really interesting um yeah well and it it does speak to the city versus rural too because the signs and elements in cities are so much more like words actual signs like things like that i feel like elements in the country are like animals a bird that's not supposed to be there or you know yeah. <laughs> and that is obviously there's just more nature out in the country right but i also think it's the the nature of there's things that can only come into being around a lot of people yeah like technology or what like they, there's something there's some spirit of place that happens in cities that wants to express itself linguistically and through through people neon, you know <laughs> yeah there's not a neon sign on the side of the road that's going to tell you anything in the middle of nowhere right like right the neon sign of the rural community is a black squirrel or whatever like, <laughs> yeah that's that's a good point i like that but they're just as significant and meaningful because of the different contexts like right so I see that's and that's, that's, also, that's good because I was originally my thinking was that it's just the path of least resistance, right? But that's almost like not giving the spirit enough credit. Like this is a the spirit that likes most, being here. Yeah. Like it, it's the way that it's going to reach you. Yeah. And seeing a black squirrel in the city might be interesting, but there's so much noise and there's that's just not a good avenue to get to you. <laughs> unless it's in atlanta because let me tell you that shit really uh i've had some powerful squirrel encounters here yeah but, um, <laughs> i mean for sure i just feel like uh, <laughs> that that's that's why it happens with those more dramatic sort like seeing a symbol painted huge on the side of the room yeah it's <laughs> like it slaps you in the face yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. The squirrel, you have to be paying attention. Right. You know, this is something that it, it interrupts a time when you would otherwise kind of just be going through the motions. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what one like when of I was the walking things, to work. Well, that's a good example. Right. That's um, that's one of the things that drew me to it. I would take the same route, the same bus route to school every day. But like so Monday through Friday. A lot of graffiti gets through the media. So that Monday bus ride, I'd be like, oh, they got that. This is new. And this, it was new things in my environment where I knew every, I knew the route so well that nothing else was new. You know, the buildings were all the same. Everything looked the same except for this one. Oh, there's red paint on a white wall that shouldn't be there. What is that? You know? Yeah, that's good. Um, It's almost like that's 
do you think that that emerged as a function of what you're describing like in some way like causally yeah well yeah i mean retrocausally but also just like there's a desire to to change something that can really be like maybe monotonous that's almost like right you know what i mean like the graffiti came forth from that because it's old it's really old and like oh, sure. in, in pompeii um yeah there's graffiti on the walls and it's like the same shit that is on the bathroom walls here it's like flavius yeah. has a little dick and stuff you know like really that's really <laughs> what it is like that's not an exaggeration you can go look it up yeah um, well and there's a thing too that it's more common and emerges more often in marginal places so like the roman uh like guard stations that were at the edge of the empire have more graffiti that like oh that's really cool in the 70s and 60s in the bronx where there was no policing no services they were just wedding it was that's where it started pretty i mean again you can argue it forever but <laughs> yeah that's where it, it, it came it upwelled in our recent well there's an interesting empire connection there then do you want to go into that some right because that's, no, cool. that's what i'm saying I, I think that is a part of it on some level because it is an actual rebellion that's that was what drew me i was an anarchist little kid and i just wanted to fuck the system all that shit that was my jam you know <laughs> yeah and like it, it i don't know it is it but it, it's the same way that when you talk about colonialism you have to be careful because everything is participating willingly or unwillingly They're like graffiti can serve totally. like especially things that I've seen lately where like there's lots of gentrification in big cities everywhere I've been Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, Atlanta they're tearing shit, old shit down and building new shit. And the way that graffiti participates in that is it finds the properties that will be demolished before they're even decided that they're going to be demolished. Because graffiti writers are just good at finding places where graffiti will last, like neglected things. And then they highlight it. So now the neglected thing is covered in graffiti. And now some real estate developer goes, hey, that place is abandoned. I bet you I could get it cheap. And then it gets torn down and built into a new building. And we don't tag the new buildings because they clean up the graffiti on the new buildings. <laughs> so we're actually finding spots. Where it, it's like we're doing the work for them of, of discovering neglect. And then they're there to say, oh, well, let's not neglect it anymore. That's Which really could interesting. could be a good thing. But <laughs> That's really interesting. Like how huh. mushrooms grow in places where there's death, you know, it's like that's yeah, the they're a part of the they're part of the break, like the process of breaking the that matter down. But it also that like it's not fertile ground yet. When the mushrooms are there, is not when you plant. You want them to do their thing, and then they have made soil, and then you can grow there. Which makes it sound more beneficent. I'm kind of against <laughs> the gentrification stuff. Yeah, like, me too. But I think that that's interesting because it doesn't have to be that way. Like, I think that actually, like, what you're describing could be um, maybe like some kind of ideal 
there's like there's a there is a version of that that isn't like archonic and colonialist and totally. imperial, right? And it's even just that empire corrupts it, everything, right? Everything it well, touches, even, it's a disease. Even with it being archonic, it's not like people are going to move in those buildings and raise families and yes. have beautiful lives, right? And so it's hard to say that that's a bad. I don't like the style. <laughs> yeah yeah really the big it's just like i don't like the way it looks the, the way it looks right and like the yeah probably the, or the ergonomics of it, of it. yeah yeah I but agree. it's also the but it doesn't like that's yeah. not a that's not a um like the poor style choices are not a foregone conclusion right like yeah you know what i'm saying well, and, it doesn't and, have to happen that way so the, and the process itself it a better way is acknowledging that beauty yeah. If if we're gonna do this anyway, we might as well do it right. <laughs> but then, so. But. Uh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'm thinking still. Okay. <laughs> so the, the contradiction, like what drove me crazy about it for years, was that these are the people that are most marginalized. They are not served by empire. They, you know, they suffer under this regime more than anyone, and they are doing. It's work for it without re- like it's a trick. Well, that's it's what empire does. That's what empire does. Empire right. <laughs> enlists the most marginalized people, co-ops their movements, and then uses it, um, uses them against themselves. It does it with everything. I guess I never thought about, it, but like war. who fights wars? Not poor you know? people. Yeah, it's not right. like the and, sons and of the. It does not of, serve their interest at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, think about just to like, um, They'll take issues that are actually like important issues and turn them into like these really divisive topics yeah. that cause more, um, like more division, more infighting. Right. Yeah. And they'll, well, and for the people that is supposed to be, I mean, you could talk about this with race, with sexuality, like, dude. So this is exactly what, this is exactly what the aristocrats in the, in medieval Europe did to the Jews. They just like made them um so since since um it was you couldn't charge interest as a Christian, but for the right. Jews there was no problem charging interest. So they used them to do their dirty work, and then when the bill came due, they would kick them out of their towns and blame everything on them. And so that's right. where you get this idea from. Um this is very controversial, but yeah, um, that's where that idea comes from of like, and so they'll do it with, with, uh, they do it. I think they're doing it right now with multiple different marginalized groups where everybody they'll co-op. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Well, and like, like there's a lot of people I knew that were older gay people that like came out in the sixties or seventies or, you know, never came out or lived their life as a gay person in a time before whatever is happening. I guess this is the only way I could properly describe it. And it's the same thing where you realize that like the conversations around sexuality now do not serve the interests of those people at all. They feel no. totally alienated by it. Yeah. Even it contradicts what they, you know, there, there's like, 
there's transgender activists that get canceled for being transphobic. You're yes. like, this is a trans person <laughs> yeah, telling it's... you how they feel. Like, you don't necessarily get to call them transphobic ever, I think. I don't know. I don't right. know. It's, it's a weird thing because all that stuff is like red hot. It's red so, hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's fine, man. We're we I um <laughs> this is why I don't have commercials. So that right. we can talk about whatever <laughs> we want. You know what I mean? Um well it, it's more the just, problem right now is to me is that you can't even like and this may be just like late stage empire shenanigans right where like you can't talk about anything because it's all a hotbed it's all and it's all been um leveraged to some extent yeah i I don't and i don't know if this is unique like when you were just saying that, my thought was like, when we, when was the last, the most obvious time I could think of where you couldn't talk about anything? And that was Russia under communism. Yeah. And it was the total opposite. Because yep. we have a version of you can't talk about anything where you're actually allowed to talk about everything. There's just these weird consequences. Well, like, it's, um, it's a Puritanism. Right. It's yeah, it, it's a world without sin. It's yes, <laughs> it is a purity culture, and it's so weird because it actually gallivants under the opposite of that. But it it calls it it calls itself something that is like the opposite of what it is. Right. It's well, really the, crazy. The founding of our country is about religious freedom. Well, freedom from religious oppression or whatever. Yeah. But the culture of the religion is oppressive. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Sometimes, I just don't know. <laughs> I, just, I I just see things that like. There, I keep getting ads for the Google Pixel, like the new Google phone. Has oh yeah, where you can take someone out. Amazon. Like it's literally that's an exact parallel to communist Russia, where they would erase people they didn't like from photographs retroactively, like they never Dude, that's, existed. That's called damnatio memoriae. And the Romans would use yeah. it. It was like worse than the death penalty. It is right. They would erase exist. you from all the roles. They would go into your family's shrine and cross like carve your face out. Um oh, God. Dude, yeah. <laughs> and but from a magical standpoint, like I don't know. And There's so, okay. So things. this 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 applies. To, okay, let's take this back to the graffiti discussion because this is this is in there. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, the the problem with what you're describing, uh, where the graffiti is drawing into attention the things that are going to be demolished, maybe that's a function of us erasing things too readily. You know, because right. back in the day, it wasn't like you would just like, oh, we just built this building. Now, like 10 years later, we're going to tear it down because it sucks and we got a better one. It's like we used to build things to last. And I know that sounds like yeah. an old, old person saying shit like, no, no, but, it, better, but like, mean, <laughs> people will paint murals and they will be painted over in a day. Yeah. You know, and so the disposability. But that's built into graffiti. Like, it, it is going to be destroyed whether right. it's by weather or the building getting torn down or most likely they just paint over 
I mean, it's Chicago yeah. has a system in the city to, to to paint over graffiti, and they're pretty good about it. Like, right. Less so the last few years because confidence in government is collapsing. But like, yeah. <laughs> it used to be when I was a kid that it would last maybe a day, and people would keep doing it and keep doing it. and like that. That it's like repainting the caves in Australia, where like it redoing it is doing it again is recreating the act of doing it the first time is like that's interesting there's some interesting the energy of it or something implications there in this weird like dude you know there's a way of um casting a bind rune that is actually drawing the bind rune and then rubbing it off and rubbing it off is casting it right like burning something like which yeah. is like a very like 90s wicked thing to do is like write your spell and then burn it so it like hey man but it's fun to burn shit though (laughs) well and yeah fire is fundamental yeah i mean it's also just like cool yeah it's very romantic i mean (laughs) right it's yeah it's it'll always i think that's valid like following that place of desire is how you get to do good magic one way or another you know it, it might take a while and maybe you don't burn shit when you actually do the best magic you do. But if you feel like you should do that first, do that and then see if it works and then do something well, else. You know, you know, that's why like the orgasm method of sigil casting gets a lot of shade nowadays, but I think it's rad. Cause like who doesn't want to come, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, I, and it works. It drew my attention to the timelessness of that moment of orgasm. Yeah. That like, like I would start to have like DMT like experience if I focused. Yeah, and paid attention, totally, totally. A part where you do kind of flip for a sec somewhere else and come back. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, and like especially with a partner, like that tantra stuff makes a lot of sense to me because I've had oh, yeah. those experiences with no schooling, with no conscious, you know, having yeah. really good sex. Is really good Did you listen to stuff. the episode with Dr. Joanna Kujawa? I'm trying. I'm it's one of my more recent ones. Think. If you don't remember it, then you didn't. Yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> like she describes like this Kundalini awakening that she had um during sex, uh, and it it like in her case she had just read this like they were actually in a group studying this like Hindu right. esoteric texts about about this. So like, but I had had the experience without really even knowing what the hell that was. It was just this experience during s- sex that was like explosively powerful, and there was something moving between us that wasn't us. And to the to right. the point to the point where afterwards we looked at each other and was like, "There was something else going on there. We didn't know what it was. That was different. Yeah. What was that? We didn't know. But I didn't really know until I read her book. Um, what was probably even going on? You know. So like, there is a knowing. Uh, that our body did has. you feel witnessed yes it's like there's another thing something there. else is there just to see what you're doing <laughs> oh they're doing something really cool over here like let's yeah. go watch. popping in and like whatever that is you know what i mean like maybe it's your higher self maybe it's your your holy daemon maybe it, there's so many it could just it, be a pervert you know like a spiritual, a spiritual pervert <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like it i like it because i have felt that experience before where i'm like oh someone's doing something very intimate like not necessarily having sex but just like catching people in those moments of yeah. private honest beautiful beingness is spiritual and so oh. i would imagine other beings and spirits feel that way too 
but they don't have to like peek in our window. You know, they can peek. Right. You know. Yeah, they can pop. They, sometimes <laughs> they pop in your body. Um, right. <laughs> I think I've had that happen too. At this point, I'm just like, yeah. All right, as long as you don't, you know, just yeah. stay in your stay in your lane, and we're cool. <laughs> and, and, and I guess that's why I feel like that, that's something that that's an open door to get into the spiritual practice because you're right. The experience of sexuality is magical inherently. Inherently. So, you know, yeah, there's times where you feel like you're maybe being ridden or possessed or that you left the situation or, you know, that you're super, super present. Like, yeah. Things just don't happen every day all the time. You know? And I think it's interesting because I think coming back to our conversation, I think art is that way. Like when you're really in right. the zone, man, like when I'm really writing something that I know is just like we're popping. Yeah. It's like it's you're not, there. dude, barely there. I'm picking it out of the air. <laughs> well, and it, I mean, so the, this, the reason that I wanted to talk to you about this is because I had an experience like that where it was like late at night, I was trying to sleep and I kept having these thoughts and I grabbed a notebook and I just wrote like hand wrote like 40 pages about and the spiritual component, trying to put this all together in a thinkable way. And I couldn't stop. If I stopped, I would just sit there and think about it. Like the yeah. thought had to get out of my brain. It had to <laughs> move. Know, it, was, it had to move. Yeah. I wasn't going to put it out. It was just going to cause ruckus and I just wasn't going to be able to sleep, you know? Like, totally. That might seem mundane or whatever, but I think that that's, you know, when we say thoughts are people, thoughts are have agency like that you're i don't know i don't like to like receive metaphor because like i too, like it better as a, a relation or a, a meeting of minds or whatever yeah i agree i'm not a fucking radio dude like i'm like <laughs> i'm a person and like if anything a radio is like me right like right, like totally. let's give credit you're where credit person. is due you know like as so like yeah there is a like i get it but like Really, those things are um, like off, off growths or um, maybe budding uh, plant, budding uh, flowers on the limbs of humanity. You know what I mean? Like, so totally. It's like saying this flower is, or this tree is like a flower. I was like, well, this tree has flowers. I don't. Anyway, yes, I agree. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't remember what it specifically was, but there was something where. Like it was something about like condescending to black people where I was like, Africa is our mother, like, or whatever. And on some level, there is a thing where you're like, when you're talking to people, like, oh, oh that's what it was. It's a store down the street, the co-op in town. It's very like hippy dippy. They have a sign that says for black history month, support inclusive traders. And I was like, would you say this about your mother? Like, oh, we need to include our mom in our family. Your family is a product of your mother. The flower is a product of the tree. It's a, yeah. it's a, you know, like an outgrowing of it, like you're saying. It, it's so backwards to say, you know, we have to include these people as if they aren't the foundation, as if it didn't start there, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good we're point. We're being included in their life, you know, <laughs> not the other way around. Yeah. And like maybe your mom's not 
not a great person and you do have to go out of the way to include her. Like there is a, well, a way to say that. This is the same way that I think happens. This is the same thing that happens when, um, or at least it's just what I think of where like, um, let me try to put this in the right way. I might, I might not, but we're going to try anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, where someone will say something to the effect of, I, you know, we're just starting to discover that, like, there's, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, right? Uh, we're just starting to discover that what this native tribe says is actually true. Well, it's like, right. no, dude, you're fucking not because they already knew it was true. <laughs> it's that same kind of attitude. Like, there's an inherent, um, there's still it's an inherent su superiority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't really true until we, you know, used our like colonized, I frankly mean, that's shitty, frankly yeah, shitty yeah, version of science to yeah. find it out. <laughs> Well, and it's very hard to talk to people about it without falling into that trap. But I always try and point that out where I'm like, it's not like this. It's not that the hope we think the world is like this. It's that the world is like this. And the world is this. Yeah. Yes. Right. right? <laughs> it's not a metaphor. They're being literal when they talk about this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they said the world was born there, the world was born there. Like, that's where it yeah. happened. Yeah. And, you know. Yes, it is good, I guess, that there are people in Western culture that are coming to that on their own. I just, the, the lack of humility is really a problem, right? Like, I, a lot of things that I think of now that are spiritual, I got into through a scientific context. Yeah. Like, I was an atheist teenager who was a super big nerd, and I was super into neurology and how the brain works and all this stuff that now I kind of, I mean, they're just making shit up, is my opinion. <laughs> I, I, dude, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Which, At this point, they're just making stuff to up to make it that. fit into the context that they have created. Like, dark matter is a good example of this. Like, that's the biggest yeah. bullshit I've ever heard. Like, basically, like, your, like, your fucking equations didn't work, so you had to add variables that made it make more sense. Well, and there's a book called The Problem of String Theory. That is a mathematician that goes through very mathematically and shows how it's all bullshit. He's like, this is literally a 25 year waste of time. Like people have 10 years behind this, tons of money and research. It's wrong. And here's exactly why in a way that those people could understand it and they still won't give it up. And that's yeah. when you realize that it's an ideology and not, you know, <laughs> it's like totally. hey, when you're proved wrong, your own system says that you have to admit it and change and you won't. Like, right. That's the contradiction where I lose faith. You know, that's when I say they're just making shit up because I go, well, no, I'm with you. Totally. And I only know this because I have been unwilling to be wrong in my life so often. Yeah, <laughs> I, have I have the, I have the experience of it not going well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard to relate to these people that don't, you know, like, like that's the same thing with being incarcerated versus not as that if you don't have the experience, how do you show or how, like it's, it's the work of a lifetime to communicate that to people that don't, can't access it directly. 
this is one of the things that really interests me about Gnosticism is the idea that um, that the Gnosis or the knowledge is transmitted through experience of that Gnosis, experience of that knowledge. It's not like something that I can tell you. Um, right. And now, now, I may reveal something to you that aids you in putting what you've experienced into the context, right? But I didn't give you anything. You experienced it. And maybe right. we got it revealed somewhere, you know? Um, yeah, that it that, isn't, it's not up to us. <laughs> yeah. And that's what the world is going to work with those people in the way that suits them best. Yeah. It's going to come I mean, through where it comes through, just like the graffiti thing. It's like the person wasn't drawing Sophia to, to transfer Gnosis to me. Like, that would have been an incredibly, no. like, that would have been an incredibly, like, narcissistic read on my part. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the actual reason is narcissism on their part. Like, yeah, well, either self-obsession, that's a girl named Sophia that wants to see her name everywhere, or it's a guy who wants to see his girlfriend's name. You know, it's like a, yeah. it's self-aggrandizing, you know, inherently. Like, you're well, I have no problem with, like, self-aggrandizement, you know what I mean? Like, and to some extent, like, in art no, especially. Yeah, there's a reason to rise to prominence when you have a message that you want to communicate. Yeah, These like the ego is important when it's doing the right job. Have a message. Yeah, hmm? I said the ego well, is it, actually kind of important when it's doing the right job. Yeah, right. If if it's in its place or whatever, but the, the problem is that like omnipresence is the only message that everyone has in common. Like that does everyone that does graffiti. They're only collective goal is to be the most well-known graffiti. <laughs> well, so okay, so do you? And I'm not trying to um, impose like a value judgment on that, but do you think that that is? Do you think that that is working? Like, obviously, it's working. What's your opinion on that? Maybe is the best way to put it. Well, it, there is a contradiction because that it doesn't actually serve the interests of the rest of your life. Like the, so staying out late at night, going to jail, there's a lot of stealing that happens. There's a lot of like injury. Those are all things that are bad. for you. And so if you want to be, if it is ultimately in service of you, why are you doing things that are bad? Right. Like, <laughs> If you want to be well known, but you're you die, you know, like in the process of before you get there, like that, you know, it, it it's not. I don't know. It's not the tool that they think it is to. If you want to be really well known, there's way other better ways to go about. It, you know? Yeah, because I mean, the truth is, most people like yeah, maybe like three million people will see it, but like, how many will actually know that it was you? Yeah, well, or even have the experience that you had. Like, yeah, you are never going to meet the person that did that. No, right. The Sophia thing. Yeah. So, like, the which is is kind of the case with art in general. And like we were talking about the monks, like that their message wasn't received in their lifetime or knowingly to them. Right. They weren't the purpose of the message. Yeah. Yeah, and so it, I think it is better to structure it as this is in service of something greater than me. That like. I don't know what good this will be. And I do it anyway because I just trust that somebody somewhere will get something out of this that I'll never hear about it. 
Yeah. You know, they're not going to reach out to me. They're not going to, you know, like it's not an experience that I don't know. I, it's something that I struggle with in making art in general. Like it, as my profession, I'm a cook. Hell yeah. So, so like, am I, man. I can't eat the food that I cook. You know, like I make whatever, a hundred pizzas and then I maybe have like three slices of pizza. But like you don't get to have the happiness of the food you cook. It's for other people. That's the whole point, right? Like, is to make someone else happy. You work yeah, but, really hard, and then you give it away. And then it gets but if I'm far. in flow, but if I'm in flow, then like the food is coming through me, and I can see that. But I don't always feel that way when I'm cooking for people, um, right? <laughs> and especially in like my past experience, I was very resentful of everyone I cooked for, and so like yeah, I was probably I mean, like in some a, way, weird way like spiritually poisoning them but like <laughs> <laughs> i mean spite is what motivates me to do a good job in the kitchen a lot of times dude but me Someone not so much anymore or like i'm able to see it differently now but it took a lot of, it it took a lot of not doing it for a long time actually too yeah i just well, and I, started I, cooking again i don't mean spite in a bad way I, what i mean is like if someone wants like the sauce on the side and all this shit weird. They don't really want what we have on the menu. They want to make their own food out of it with a bunch of modifications or whatever. Yeah. Instead of being like, fuck this person. They don't get what we're doing. Like they're, you know, they're trying to make my life harder or whatever. I go, yeah. Oh, you want something to, you want this because you're not doing what you should be doing. I'm going to do an even better job. I'm going to make this yeah. better than you could have thought it was. Yeah. That's actually that's my I'm turning it into like a motivation to, to serve them. Yes. Because I think that they don't think that we can serve. They don't think that this restaurant will serve their needs. And they ordered in a way that communicated that. And I go, no, you're wrong. And I'm going to prove it to you. <laughs> yeah. We will do this weird thing that we're not even supposed to do here. You know, like. Right. Like watch how. Without cheese on it can be good. <laughs> I can make a good pizza with no cheese. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to because that's not really pizza in my mind. But if that's what someone wants, I don't want them to have a bad version. Yeah, I I'm with you there. It is I, kind of because it's not always easy to do that. Well, and just instead of seeing that different difference of opinion as an opportunity to divide, I see it as an opportunity to unite. You know, we don't yeah. agree on what pizza. Can we come together and find a place where you're happy and I'm happy? Or will I not want to make your pizza and so I do a bad job and put bad vibes in it, like you're saying? <laughs> you yeah. can tell when someone didn't want to cook your food. It comes out late or it comes out too quick or, you know. <laughs> Dude, I think honestly that you can get sick from that shit. Um, yeah. From like I mean, an, people on, do an energe- on an energetic level, though, without yeah. having any bacteria in it. Like someone's bad attitude can fucking make you get a stomachache when you eat their food. I I, I believe that. A um, hundred, and and it that's where it happens. Like people get sick in restaurants. You know? Yeah, if there's not an abundance of evidence for that being true. Like, yeah, I think also that um, for me, and this is a this is a topic that's near and dear to me. So I do like thinking about it. Um, personally, where I'm at with that, and I used to have that opinion. But now I'm just like, well, the only thing that's making me upset that this order came through like that is because I have an expectation that's not that that's not how it's supposed to be. Right. And this transfers into like every aspect of my life. 
It's really is that most of my upset comes from my expectations. And really what I'm working on these days is just not having those. And I know people are like, oh, you just lower your expectations for everything. Like, no, I'm not going to fucking lower them. I'm not going to have them. And right. yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, and so that's been a really, a really um, powerful sort of lesson for me lately is um, kind of setting aside my ideas for how I think things should be. And because uh, they're actually limiting, those ideas are limiting yeah. my experience and how they can be is like so much better than I can imagine. It's kind of a new thoughty thing, but I like it. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to my dad about it and he's like, oh, that's equanimity. That's yeah, equanimity. what equanimity is. It's yeah. Just, and it's something I've been trying to cultivate too, is just like, just be okay with it. Yeah. It might not be your favorite thing, except that there will be suffering in there, except this is unpleasant or whatever yeah it's very buddhist okay with it like (laughs) which is hard and i also think i think expectations are good like i think that wanting things to go a certain way is the only reason they ever do like not that you're in that much control of it but just that that desire is what's pulling everything to where it goes but my my attachment to them going well isn't serving me though no, yeah. Well, but like I put my I put my need for it to go well in the fire. Right. That well, that's the thing that I'm not going to do what I can for it to go well. Say, it it can't ruin my day. My expectations. This is yeah. what I'm expecting. If it happens another way, see, I think there is a big you know, difference between between wanting something to go well and like needing it to go well. Right. Yeah. And I the expectation kind of borders that. well i don't know i don't know if it's true for everybody but it's just true in my experience that i'm overly attached to my expectations yeah i mean i definitely have it's it's something that goes backwards i'm bitter and then i go why am i bitter and then i go back and go back and it's like oh well that expectation wasn't met and instead of being finding a way to make peace with that i said no, my expectation is the thing that's real, not what actually happened. You know, it's, it's that unwillingness to be in the moment and be the expectation superseding your actual experience is when you get those emotional struggles. You know, like, yeah. But when your expectation is met by the real experience, is the best times, you know? <laughs> so that, that's what drives the attachment. No, you know, what's interesting is trying to make it so that that's just having just as much equanimity about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, that's difficult. Um, not being overly attached when it is going well either. Uh, and dude, this is just yeah. You know, that's like I'm exploring struggle. a lot of Buddhism, man. So that's yeah. probably part of it. Um, <laughs> well, but know. it, it, I don't know. It does feel like there's a way to be happy in that quiet, mindful way, but. Like, I don't know, so much of my maybe like heritage or something like festivals, Catholic Church is fucking gorgeous. That's not for no reason, you know, (laughs) and part of it is because it was like brainwashing techniques, basically. But (laughs) (laughs) well, okay, and so I, I think that that what ends up happening is that there's this assumption that like 
I won't be happy just because I'm not attached to being happy. But really what it allows me to do is enjoy my happiness. Right. You're not worried about it leaving. You're not yeah. asking why it got here. You're not like And like this is I'm dude, I would never force this upon anybody and I would never like try to impose this way of thinking on anybody. This has just been what's useful for me. Uh, yeah. And what's been helpful for me. Um I haven't always thought this way and I don't know that I always will. You know what I mean? But like <laughs> today, it's nice. Yeah. Well and it, there is a way that you can do it where you're stepping into gratitude and you're just receiving yeah. a good time totally. instead I'm, of trying to participate in it and drive it overly. You know, like, like eventually you I'm gonna there. eventually I'm not going to be having a good time. It's just the truth. Like anyone that thinks that they're gonna be having a good time all the time is in for a fucking bumpy ride. And yeah, you know, so that's where I come in from when well, it comes or that even that seeking a good time has because for a long time, I felt like sigil magic was a thing where I was like, oh, I can go get stuff. You yeah. know, it was very much driven by a desire to have a good time all the time, sexually. Yeah. And not appreciating, you know, I mean, like spending time incarcerated is the best lesson in like, no matter how bad things are, they like, or someone dying. I mean, there's a lot of experiences like this, but like, I think people learn it more on the suffering side. Oh, suffering doesn't last forever. But they don't extrapolate it to the other half of that, which is also that, well, the good times aren't going to last forever either. Yeah. Well, and I think this is an in, this is an important conversation to have in like Western occult um, tradition because I think it is easy to get caught up in that results magic. And I'm just going to say that like when I do that, when that, when my life is all about that and when I'm really caught up in that, I don't really, it hasn't, it's only been beneficial in that it drove me to a point of surrender because I, it never worked out the way that I like. So like, yeah. I, and I don't know if that's like being tricked into, you know, like a trickster thing where it's like, okay. This is going to work yeah, for, you monkey's for a little paw. bit, and then it's going to stop yeah. working, right? Or um, what you asked for isn't what you actually wanted, and you didn't know that until you got it, and then you're like, oh. That happens this to me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I... So, yeah, there's an interesting tension there, because I do also believe that, like, desire is inherently good. Like, right. the point is not to eliminate fucking desires, in my opinion. Like, I want to yeah. have... I want to have money and I want to have a good life. You know what I mean? Like, I want to have this. I want to have that. There's nothing wrong with that. So that is kind of where that's where I'm trying to navigate in, you know, um, without going too far. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is a struggle. Like, knowing that we are at the end of the collective good time and no one is willing to let go of it and no one is preparing i mean not no one right but like i don't i'm currently not in this position either i don't know a lot of people that have food and water set up should infrastructure go down to survive right and like i see that as something on the horizon and I'm very worried about it. And, you know, I, 
I don't know how to communicate that to people that are just thinking about their next vacation or Friday night. Let's go to the concert. Let's go. You know, like people that are just living st- and they're having a good time and they're, they're pursuing their desires and all this stuff. But they're it, the cycle thing, right? Like that, that we're in a place in the cycle where it's about to turn over and we're going to have to do a lot of other different stuff. And we're going to have to restructure what we think of as a good time or not. You know, like, uh, I don't know if you ever read Little House on Prairie or any of those books, but like the stuff they did for fun. <laughs> playing yeah. with a cow's bladder. <laughs> yeah, their Christmas was like a tangerine and a fucking penny or whatever. Like, right? <laughs> but that was good in the context, dude. To get it actually back a then, to get some citrus was like, yeah. Hey, even now, it's the middle of winter. You know, an orange yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um. You know, I. I think that um, it's like a mass initiation. Yeah, like it's just going to have to happen. Yeah, so like anyone who's listening, like try to get that going before like it's forced on you. Yeah. Because I I had it like kind of, it came to me as like a result of like a lot of running from my, the consequences of my actions and stuff. Yeah. Until it like couldn't go anywhere else and it just like boom had to do it. Um and you know, if that's the way you want to do it, that's fine. It's like I'm gonna learn either way, right? But um I think yeah, we have well, an, I think we have an interesting opportunity to like um choose to integrate this stuff so that and you know, honestly, I think that the more people do that, the more um like on the field level and on the collective level, we can kind of ease some of the um, the uh, severity or maybe the like the suffering that it's going to take on the collective level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I mean, something that I've been trying to focus on is like instead of trying to change people's minds so that they agree with me and see this thing coming or whatever, just be the person that when that initiation happens they know oh this guy's already been talking about this for a while he has something set up like be there so that when they need someone to talk to or someone to you know give them eggs or whatever like instead of trying to change their mind with language or whatever like show don't tell you know just just (laughs) be the person because that that time will come and instead of you know in AA, we call it what other people in AA, we call it attraction rather than promotion. You know, okay, it's like my feet tell my story, like what I'm doing tells my story. I don't have to fucking come out and because honestly, like just like the person being nice to you for no reason, the person that has to tell me like all the good shit about themselves or like what they do or like how they've what, like the more you have to say the more I doubt it. Well, and I the person that feet. made me most want to go to AA never invited me to a meeting. Right. They would just yeah. be like, oh, I got to go to a meeting. I, I knew it was a part of their life. But yeah. they weren't that evangelizing type. They weren't it's not life. about evangelism, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
because it does kind of feel like a hey girl hey situation you're like uh this is a pitch you're pitching me. i don't want to be pitched sobriety like it doesn't make no. sense you know? it doesn't work that way it just doesn't work that way well and, and that's true of, something that, that's true of uh a lot of things and like i still do drink and and like smoke weed and stuff i've gone in and out of more and worse times of doing stuff like that and doing drugs and it's just something that like uh, a buddy of mine who's got sober at 33 and like oh that's the same time i did hardcore heroin addict and like shooting meth and heroin in his neck you know like not like it was a casual thing right uh but you get sober when you want to like you will just decide one day not to do this anymore (laughs) yeah there's a point where um i decide that the that the suffering of of not having this in my life anymore is preferable to the suffering that is being caused by it being in my life like or another right. way to put the, another way to put that is um when i got to a point where i actually couldn't see living with it or without it I was at a point of total surrender. It's actually the most important thing that ever happened to me. And it's uh, actually three years ago today that this happened. Um, oh, hell this yeah. Is being recorded. So, yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, thank you. But it's it's that, like, dude, I that dark night, like, it's an alchemical thing. Like, the dark totally. night of the soul is what precedes the, the transmutation, right? What? I think it is really hard. A lot of alcoholism is coping with suffering. Like well, people and for me, go it, for me, it was running. Sad. It was running from it, and so like I don't. Even, right. I have no problem with alcohol. I, it's just that my relationship yeah. to alcohol is not. Yeah, um, it's my relationship to the thing. It's not the thing that's the problem. Right. You know what I mean? And like, there's that, plenty of people is... that have a temperate response to alcohol. But for me, it's just not like that. That's not what my... And that uh, is something that I struggle with, too, is that it is a part of the human story. Yeah. Like, they totally. were brewing beer in Gobeki Tepe, you yeah. know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's one of the, the plant allies that we've had the longest relationship with. But, dude, or I don't know. Alcohol. Think about this, man. I am making amends to alcohol. Right. For the things that you did to it. For the yeah, things that, that I did to I abused the spirit. And so, because the fact that now I'm literally the spirit. (laughs) Yes, totally, dude. That's the part that always gets me. It's called spirit. So, dude, actually, as a spiritual thing at all. (laughs) It's crazy, man. It's, dude, but like alcoholism and addiction in general, but alcohol, I just lump, I lump it all under alcoholism because it's just easier. Yeah. Um, dude, it's my greatest teacher. It. I am am grateful to it because it actually is what brought me into this life of the spirit. It's what it took for me. And like, I don't know what kind of contract that is going back. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and maybe this incarnation is an incarnation of karma for a whole, like, it could be possibly like a whole ancestral lineage that I am like uh, making amends. There's something that like when you're in like especially the worst parts of active addiction that 
you don't see how this will lead you to eventually stop. Like, I don't know. It, it, I couldn't see it. It's it's wild that the story to being sober involves not being sober so much. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Philosophically <laughs> sober were the craziest people for the longest time. And yeah. Like, Fucked up friendships and all, you know, they should have learned their lesson like a hundred thousand times. Yeah, but that's the actually same way. the lesson, like how to learn lessons or whatever. Like, dude, so I went to jail for three months because of drug charges, and then I was like going to AA in the jail, and I got out, and I was going to meetings, and then like my birthday came along, maybe like a month later, and I was like, well, it's my birthday, so like I'll drink. Totally. And then like yeah. the next thing you know is like three weeks later. I'm like off to the races. I'm doing like, yeah. like I'll drink a wow. beer and then like, and then I'm doing math under a bridge. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the, that part kind of makes sense. From the context. Like, uh, there's a bunch of like people a little younger than me, kind of my peers. It was a very trendy thing for a while to be like, we're on demon time. Oh yeah. Like yeah. when they're partying or whatever. Oh, we're on demon time like and i'm like oh so you're you're drinking spirits and then you're actively vocalizing and welcoming in evil spirits into you like yeah and some of these people you it, like you're saying this guy saw demons in jail like i could look in their eyes and be like this dude's fucking awful right now this person's possessed and i don't think that that was the drugs or the alcohol alone you know like i yeah. think that once you bite or like taking the drink that first drink is inviting them you know you're putting a spirit in your body and then yeah. once that door is open you have a very like well-trod conduit for it to come in in full force and for it to really embody itself in you so if oh, you open dude. that door it's coming you know <laughs> like, yeah i was channeling some shit into this world dude that was not good not good yeah <laughs> yeah Hundred yeah, percent. It it's wild. I've had like, a lot of, but I don't think moments. that's everyone's experience. That's not everyone's right. experience. <laughs> so. But it is hard. To, I mean, it's one of those things that the spiritual world, especially in 2023, just denies that there is. Like, Gordon says, like Scorpio's real or whatever. Like, there is a thing where it's like, yeah, people are evil. Like the people and spirits and thoughts are bad and they exist and like it takes having that personal experience like the same thing with incarceration if you don't know what it feels like to want to do a bad thing it's hard for you to imagine why other people would do it yeah and like i appreciate the times that i've suffered and gone through those things because it lets me know that it's real yeah like for a while i thought that those things were fake like that being a crackhead was like a thing that people imposed on themselves. Yeah. That, that wasn't like real, you know, <laughs> like it was right. like the creation of their brain. Well, yeah. So uh, to me, the, one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest catalysts for spiritual growth has been the ability to acknowledge the darkness within myself. And, right. um, cause that's gotta be integrated. And if it's not integrated, it just gets projected into the world and you have, the world that we live in yeah well and the you know it just it is real there's yeah. no denying yeah and a lot of times it's not until you do a bad thing 
that you realize that part of you wants to be a bad person. And like, oh, dude, yeah. You will do that. And I have the capability to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that don't acknowledge that or consider that that, like. And it's because people trust their experience. And so if they haven't experienced it, then they don't know. Well, but a lot of them are doing bad things. But because they're not aware of the opportunity for them to be a bad person, yeah, they that's like why reframe it or you know that's why. Well, that's the projection. That's the in, that's the right. the un unwillingness or inability or the current um, reticence to integrate that shadow is what's causing them to do the bad things. Yeah, which is, I mean, I don't know. It, it is hard because. Like that was I rejected Freud and Young for a very long time because I didn't think that it was I don't know fair Man. or like well things aren't fair <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's kind of just I not just, I felt like there was something where I was like well I don't know not like how could you not know yourself but just I have a very good sense of who I am. And so I didn't believe other people did. It was like, how would you not know that you wanted something? I just didn't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's the same idea of like, you didn't have the experience. So you didn't like, you're going to trust trust your experience. So you. And I think that the, that Jungian stuff, like that we were just talking about is very helpful for people that don't have those, like, if you don't know that you could be a bad person, that you should read. Yeah, you should think like that. It's just a weird thing because it has led me to do bad things. Like exploring yes. that side of myself caused people pain. And, you know, like. Like uh, an easy example is like infidelity in relationships. Yeah. Like. Desire can also be temptation. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. And. If you don't acknowledge it, you're not going to have a healthy relationship because you're going to be looking at the waitress when she walks by. They're just going to catch you cheating with your mind, you know, like, yeah. It, or you're going to be hiding something so obviously they're just going to be like, what aren't you telling me? <laughs> you know? But if you don't, you know, like, I just feel like that especially. There's some weird Puritan element of relationships that drives me crazy where I'm like, we can't acknowledge that we're full people. Like, of course I desire other people besides you on some level, you know? Like, yeah. I think that is always- I'm not even into it. I'm not into that shit. Like that. I- yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just <laughs> odd. because I think it puts it- way too much pressure on both people in the relationship and it just causes like, it causes it to not, I don't know. This is just personal. I don't know. Some people are into it. I'm not. Yeah. Well, and I just, I guess that for me, it's like, it, it's one thing, like a lot of the polyamory or non-monogamy or the way people talk about that, none of them are trying to have families. And there's a part of me that feels a responsibility to like continue the thing we're all doing. Someone made me, I need to hand that like, that ancestor thing, like, are you honoring your ancestors by being the end of your line? You know? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Maybe. Your ancestors definitely want you to reproduce. 
I will say that. Right. It's just <laughs> like when you fucking it's when when you deal with saints, they'll want you to go to church. And when you deal with Buddhist spirits, you're probably gonna end up chanting. Like Yeah. If you deal with your ancestors, they want you to fuck they want you to have a family. and reproduce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which makes sense, right? You know, like the same way that the church is home for the angels and saints, the family is the home for your ancestors. Like. Yeah, totally. And um, I just think that the way we, the way that we frame it, can be better. That's all. Um, yeah, like well, I think there sure. is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's working for anybody. Honestly, no. And that's not true because there are people that have happy lives, but just in my experience and also with my like critical faculty where I'm good at finding what's wrong with things. So someone happy just makes me think, where's the, there's a thing here that's not doing (laughs) somewhere. Where are you miserable? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that is, that's the shadow, right? Is like, where are you miserable is acknowledging that there are places you are miserable. Yeah. Well, honestly, if you're honestly, if you're trying to find it in them, then you're trying to find it in you, is what I would yeah. say. And I don't think that's well, just the, young, uh, man. I think that's just been, that's just like a, a spiritual yeah. reality. <laughs> like what I call you is what I I am. Yeah, for sure. But it's also that, that, uh, which is why when I honor you and I honor the divinity within you, then I'm also honoring the divinity within myself. Yeah, and I guess that's what I'm saying. That there was a way to focus on the positive that wasn't toxic in the way we've talked about already. Like, if there was, like, I think that I would rather be honoring the divinity than finding the miserableness. But I also don't think it's possible to only do one. Right? You have to integrate that shadow. You have to engage with that on some level. Well, dude, I'm going to. I'm having a human experience, so I'm going to have a human experience like that's just a human experience like i'm going to have right. thoughts like that i'm going to project my shit onto other people i'm going to take things the wrong way i'm going to have a bad day like i think that trying to have that's just not what i'm here to do that stuff actually like yeah i'm here to have the full human experience and so like trying to bypass that like spiritual bypassing it isn't going to work and it's actually, yeah. it's going to lead to just as much problems as me trying to like, like what we were talking about before, like to have good feelings all the time. It's just not going to happen like that. Like these yeah. things are, they're all part and parcel. They're all the same thing. And so I don't, I can't always see that, but when I'm able to see that, then I'm able to just kind of like let the experience be the experience. Like, let the anger exist. Let the fear exist. Let it be the thing. Right. And then well, I can kind of interrogate it further. And I guess that's where magic has been really helpful. Is yeah. If I divine that there's going to be a bad thing, or if it's bad space weather, it's not trying to deny that that's going to happen. It's that acknowledging that instead of because if you wake up and say I'm going to have a bad day. You are more likely to have a bad day. Yeah, if totally. You know that there's a bad day out there anyway, no matter what you do. You know, like there are days and yeah. where you, you know, like the tower in tarot or whatever. It's just like yeah. that's not good. <laughs> there's no version of that that's a good thing, right? Yeah, there's some transits that are like that. Right. 
astrology has that parallel where it's like, yeah, there's just this is well, that's what the I think that's what the medicine is. Yeah, it's it's temporary. It's not forever, right? Well, and it's also just once you acknowledge that it's happening, you're not doing it. I'm not blaming myself. It's doing it on purpose in a way that's not like instead of saying. I'm going to have a bad day, but I'm going to try and make it better. You know, like that's the spiritual bypass stuff, right? Is when you're like, oh, well, I need to do a bunch of remediation to fix this Mars transit or whatever. It's like, no, you need to accept that this is what's happening and find out why. What what can you get out of, you know, like. See, this is where it comes in. You're going to be really angry today. This is where style points count, right? Because I'm just going to like do it. Okay, so instead of like I'm gonna fix it or I'm gonna make it not shitty, I'm going to try to play the game in the way that I want to play it. So like, right. maybe not take it too seriously. My my ideal would be like not taking it too seriously and being able to like put my hands up and just fucking laugh at the bullshit if I can. Um, taking a second not to react out of those negative emotions or whatever the hell it is um and just kind of like this is my ideal i'm not always able to do that but that's yeah. where like i'm doing it in style at that point like the Mar- like yeah. i'm just gonna i'm gonna do the mars transit you know what i mean like well, but i'm like, gonna try not to like there's righteous anger right like there, yeah it's like that ego being in place thing where it's like if you know you're gonna be angry like is there something that you the correct response is anger that needs to be expressed, you know, like that's the right relational sort of. And yeah, totally. And in my experience, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay for me to be angry. And then for like the rest of the day, be down on myself because I got angry. That's the word, the problem. Right. Comes in. Yeah. Right? And I think that for a lot of people, spirituality is that trap. I mean, Catholic, guilt, whatever, yeah. especially in the new age stuff, that that's the thing that that ceaseless positivity yeah doesn't it's not real right but it's just as not real as the ceaseless negativity man it's just the same thing well and like like i think about this a lot gordon's talking about like the place of witches in history or whatever and that like so this is another very contentious weird issue but like abortion and that like historically that was i don't know it is a place of extreme grief to have to kill your own child. It is a horrible choice to have to make. And sometimes it is still the right choice. And that there's a like a spiritual way to navigate that that is like that those sorts of things that are it, it isn't good. Like it's like a malefica. It's it's things that are like this Dude, is actually there is Saturn. One of the worst things on earth. Like, yeah, but it has to happen, and so yeah, Saturn you know, is Saturn is real, right? Real, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, uh, it's been great talking. It's been great talking, man. I really enjoy it, dude. Yeah, <laughs> great shit. And it's something I don't get to do that often. So, well, hell yeah, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you came on, and I had I had a great time talking to you. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, where can people 
see what you've done, but I guess <laughs> like they should go look at a train. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would also probably rather that they experience it that way than trying like to a, find me. They right, just like, go find like, enjoy it. Go find but some graffiti. Hell yeah! If you want to see like weird opinions I have, art I did, pictures of other people's graffiti, I am on Instagram. Okay, hell yeah! Share that. It's uh at ensnared in the bramble, but the first and last e are threes, and there's underscores because I'll I leave was it. raised in the internet era. <laughs> <laughs> That's Probably cool, dude. American I will put it in stuff. the. I'll put it in the show notes yeah. so people can find it, and I'll yeah. I I'll sweet um, yeah. I do uh, like posters on there, so I'll I'll link up with you on there, and we'll connect. Awesome. Oh yeah, dude! Thank you so much for coming on. I had a great yeah. time talking to you. Awesome. Yeah, you too. Have a awesome, good one, man. You enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Yeah. Do you experience weird shit? Do your parents not like to tell their friends about what you do in the woods? Do you make more friends in a graveyard than you do at a party populated by living humans? Do you have interactions with beings that are not strictly considered human? Do other people look at you like you're crazy when you mention talking to trees in casual conversation? If you fist pumped or even just answered yes to any of these questions, you may be a nightbird. So let's sing together. If you'd like to come on the show and flap your gums with me, share your stories, or just talk about the malleable nature of reality for a while, then send me an email at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. That's tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. But until then, I gotta fly. But before I go, let me say this. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you.